I'm Dave. And I'm Nancy. And this is Middle-Aged Wisdom. Where we talk about mistakes we've made. Lessons we've learned. And sharing things we think are super cool. So you can get closer to living your best life. Welcome to episode 21 of the podcast, Middle-Aged Wisdom. Today we're talking about retirement. I love talking about retirement. You love dreaming about retirement? I love dreaming about retirement. And not just to retire and do nothing. It's actually just the stability to choose what I do. Freedom of choices? Freedom of choices. Yeah. We're going to be talking a lot about that today. And although we're not financial advisors, nor do we ever claim to be, We've read a lot, we've learned a lot, we research a lot, we talk amongst ourselves a lot about this topic, and we just wanna give you some food for thought for today. First thing is, to kind of ponder as you're listening to this episode, is what is your goal for retirement? You have to think about the age you think you'll retire, what will you do in retirement? Are you going to be a homebody? Do you wanna travel? Will you focus on grandkids? Um, do you wanna move where your grandkids are? Did you want another home? Did you want a beach house or a mountain house or whatever it may be? And how much money does it actually take to give you the life that you want or that you dream about? And then what does your spouse or your partner want if you have one? Are you on the same page? Do you want the same things? We started thinking about this topic because I'm involved with a lot of different dental groups. Um, I read a lot about finances. We read a lot of books. We've talked to our financial advisor and our accountant about these things. One article I read was about a couple in their late 60s. The husband was 65, so maybe mid-60s. And his idea was that he was retiring any day. And they were kind of arguing a little bit, he and his wife, because his wife was spending a lot of money. Wait, so they were they were already in their mid-60s. Already. And they haven't had the conversation yet. And he's like, I'm ready. Like, right. t- tomorrow. Right. Maybe the next day. And so as they're talking over their finances, he said that one of the issues is that his wife has been spending a lot of money. And then she said, well, yeah, because you love work so much. You're so infatuated with your job. I just thought you'd be working another 10 years. And he says, 10 years? Like, I plan on retiring soon. And then <laughs> and you're spending all the money. And so they have this really huge disagreement. They're not on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll bet. At all, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? At all. <laughs> and they have different ideas about what retirement is when it happens, how much they need, what they're going to be doing. So we're just encouraging you to have that conversation early. So Dave's going to talk about statistics, why you need to talk about it now, no matter what age you're at. Um, Even if you're listening to this and you're in your 20s, think about this now, because that will set up your future so perfectly, it'll be mind-blowing. Yeah, so we listen to a lot of other podcasts, and we we learn a lot from them. And one that we listened to recently was a podcast called Marketplace. They have a subset of it called Make Me Smart. It's Kai and Molly. Yeah, Kai and Molly. So on one episode recently, they were talking about 401ks, and they were interviewing this author, this labor economist named Teresa Gilarducci, and she wrote a book about 401ks, and it was a really fascinating conversation to listen to, but a couple of snippets I'll share with you from that episode we listened to. 
was one thing they said was that 90% of Americans won't have enough money in retirement to live comfortably at their standard of living living that they're expecting. That gives me so much anxiety to think about that number. 90%. Yeah, that's a lot. Ah. Uh, they said that only 50% of Americans participate in some form of retirement program. Free with, money. Yeah, assuming your employment source of employment has some sort of retirement program. And we'll talk about that too. Yeah, mm -hmm. which is which is important to look into. And one of the fascinating things she said, and I didn't know any history of this, but you hear this term 401k all the time. And what the heck does that mean? Where does it even come from? Why is it named that? And apparently it's just some section of the tax code. And that's why it's 401k. Interesting thing about the 401k, it came about, it, it was created in the late 70s, around 78, 79. And when it was created, it was really only intended as a supplement, a way to save additional money beyond some other source of retirement income. Mm -hmm which back then was more likely some sort of divine, defined benefit plan, like a pension from your workplace and that sort of thing. Right. It wasn't originally intended to be your sole source of retirement. Nor should it be now, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Right. Well, and it's, it's sort of evolved into that, which is, which is kind of interesting. But the max on 401ks this year in 2020 is 19500 so even if you start putting that away, you'll still end up with a couple hundred thousand at the end of your work. And that's if you're maxing it out every single year. But that's not enough to sustain you until you're 95 or 100. Right. So Nance, you know, she owns a business and she has to figure this stuff out for her own business. Like what kind of retirement plans is she going to offer her employees and have access to herself? So Right. So we'll talk about this because we're going to tell you our goals and our particular plans and how we kind of think about this. We wanted to also talk about Social Security because that's another thing. So 401k, Social Security mm -hmm. are things that people rely on a lot. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be your sole source of retirement income. So Social Security is interesting too. Yeah, just another little historical snippet, tidbit. So Social Security, it was uh, enacted in 1935, okay? And... One of the interesting things about it is when Social Security was enacted, the the age to, to receive benefits was age 65. Oh my gosh, it's hilarious. Guess what the life expectancy for a white male in 1935 was? I mean, right now you would think it's like 75, so I don't, I'd say like 70. Yeah, back in 1935 for a white male, your life average life expectancy was 61. <laughs> so... So you'll be dead for four years before you can receive your retirement that's money right. that yeah. Social Security would give you. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's for white amazing. females back then, it was 65. If you were uh, some sort of a minority, like black or another minority, back then your life expectancy was more like in your low to mid 50s. Jeez. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh man. Yeah. What a messed up system. And a lot of times these things don't change. It's like dental insurance. We've talked about this before, how the max of dental insurance hasn't changed since the fifties. The max of dental insurance used to be between a thousand and two thousand dollars. Guess what it is in twenty twenty? A thousand or two thousand dollars. That's the max that somebody's gonna receive in yes. benefits from their dental insurance yes. plan. It hasn't changed since nineteen fifty. Nineteen fifty? Yes. Forget oh, the cost of living increase. It's insane. These systems are insane once you start thinking about yeah, them. Yeah, they forget to bake in some sort of like uh, inflation 
increase just just automatic thing for any of these things well, because just... all these companies have very very large buildings and very huge metropolitan areas and um they clearly are making a very large profit <laughs> well there's there's that but it's it's also sort of limited thinking and not thinking long term about whatever it is you're doing because it's so easy to fall into the trap of like how things are today is how they will be forever right whether it's life expectancy or uh maximum benefits on dental insurance or whatever it is Ugh. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the fun stuff. One of my favorite retirement calculators is by Chris Hogan. So Chris Hogan works with the Dave Ramsey Network. He has his own podcast and his own YouTube channel and all of that. On his website, chrishogan.com, you can find something called the RIQ calculator. I love Chris Hogan's calculator the best, more so than others for this reason. They'll, they'll tally up your retirement number, your quotient is what they're calling it. They will give you a number and they're banking on the fact that you're going to still keep introducing more money and funding this particular retirement. A lot of the other ones with bank rate and other um, mortgage companies and such will have these calculators. There are some other money investment calculators, but they'll tell you with your current investment, what is that potentially worth at your retirement age, but it doesn't count in the additional funds that you'll be providing, which I don't like. I like the idea is that you're going to keep contributing. So why not calculate that in the final number? Yeah. And that's something to keep in mind with retirement calculators is there's probably 10 different variables that and you can play around with. And mm-hmm. you want to find something that is going to have the right variables to represent your situation most accurately. Right. That's yeah. why I like his the best. Yeah. You can go to the website. You can type in what age you think you'll retire, what kind of lifestyle are you going to travel, will you be with your grandkids, do you want to stay in one place, do you want to own a second home, all those types of things you can put into the equation. Then you will say how much you think you need, how much you've saved up already, and they'll come up with a number of how much per month you may need to get there, or if you're already saving on track, they'll tell you both ways. So we've played with it in all different sorts of ways just to see what they spit out at us? Well, I would say we've played with it, but I would say that Nancy played with it. And then (laughs) there's some sort of separation in time, let's say weeks. And then I played with it. But when I played with it, she was like staring over my shoulder to see how I (laughs) answered. I was like, oh yeah, I said the same thing for that. Mm -hmm. I said the same thing for that. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. uh, Well, there were certain things where you're like, oh, I didn't say that many years. Like, are you kidding? No, 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 no. Like, (laughs) And I always, I'm always conservative. I always want to err on the side of having more money than less. And so I'll put a lower income than we actually have. I'll put that we're retiring early than we actually are, like all those things just to give us the worst case scenario. That's yeah. just how I play my game. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny though. She literally like looked over my shoulder as I was like answering this thing and I was so like, wives stop do. staring at me. It's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> but the important thing about the this message is that we talk about it. It's an important topic. And if you don't talk about it and you don't plan for it, Uh, that's not the best situation either. Not that you have to talk about it daily, but it's It's a good thing to have in your conversations. Yeah, it's going to come to a head at some point, like that story earlier about that couple that was in their mid-60s and were clearly not on the same page, and that was going to become a problem real Mm. fast. Big problem. And that's why people argue about money sometimes, too, is that you're just not on the same page. So first of all, how do we set ourselves up for retirement? Number one, we have to be very disciplined about spending. For us, what we do is we use our checking account as a pass-through account. 
As soon as we get a paycheck, that money is going out of our account. It's either going in a stock, an investment, a savings. It's going somewhere and it's not staying in our checking account. It gives you a false sense of security. Well, and also the checking account doesn't make you any money. It doesn't make you any money. Right. <laughs> right. right. And so you don't want anybody holding on to your money at a 0% interest. You want your money there to work for you. But when you have something that makes interest for you? Yes. It just sits it's, there making money. It's yeah. fascinating to me. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm so obsessed with this topic is because I just find that absolutely fascinating. What It's a gift. Well, and along those lines, a quick segue back to the 401k is that when that was passed, mm -hmm. uh, interest rates, if you just had a savings account, you could make, I don't know, 5 10% interest back in the late 70s, early 80s, right? That lent itself to putting your money in a very safe investment when you reached retirement age and have it still make money for you. Mm -hmm. We don't live in that time anymore. No. Like, like interest rates in a savings account are almost zero. Right. I, I mean, Even, I think it wasn't our savings account. I think a few years ago, I think it was two, 3%, which is pretty high for a savings account. Mm -hmm. 0.6 now. Yeah, we use this online bank called Ally, A-L-L-Y, mm -hmm. and they save money by not having any brick and mortar locations. And so when we started the account a couple of years ago, it was literally a savings account and it made 2% interest, which sounds phenomenal now. Right. Yeah, and, and as Nance was saying, today it's like 0.6%. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like a secondary pass-through account where money might sit for months at mm -hmm. a time and we wanted to make some interest, but then it might go somewhere else from there. Right. Something that we'll need in the future, the near future, that we don't want to tie up in an investment. So it's kind of like cash, right? So when we have a checking account and we're using it as a pass-through account, it's kind of like having cash in your wallet. You know how much you can spend. You know what your budget is. And then when it's gone, it's it's gone. I think that's the best method. Yeah, and actually Nance used to really encourage me to use cash in my wallet and then when the money in my wallet was gone, her theory went that then I would not spend any more money. <laughs> in our relationship, we can see who the spender is and who the saver is. There's a means of spending control. But that's the idea with the checking account is that if you, right. you know, treat it like your wallet, then when your wallet's empty, you won't spend anything because right. you won't have anything. I mean, when we first met, my goal when I first when we first had this conversation when we were um, about to get married I said my goal is to retire when I'm 50 and if I don't retire when I'm 50 I want to at least have the means to have an option or a choice to retire if I want to and that is how we've lived our lives ever since yeah so kind of back to our earlier one of the things we said earlier is one thing I admire about people who retire and are able to do the things they want to do is that they've earned themselves and bought themselves choices in life where money isn't a driver anymore. Right. And that's kind of the goal for, for us, especially for Nance, because being a dentist, I don't know if you know this, but it's a pretty stressful job and it, it burns people out. And I think that, uh, you know, for her wanting to retire by age 50 is, and which is only six years from now. Insane is, to even think about. It's insane to even think about, but that's something that's really important to her. For me, I, my job is is a pretty low stress job and i you know i think at this point the idea is that i would continue working i don't know probably to age 60 or so i don't know but right. my my job's a lower stress and i think one of the benefits of it is you know medical insurance comes into play when you think about retirement and all that stuff because it's one thing to think about retiring at age 50 but are you going to have enough money for the expenses that 
may go up when you no longer have employer-based benefits. Right. I mean, that's a Medical big... insurance is a huge part of that. Yeah. In fact, I actually have a friend who is in his 60s and has told me he's going to work another few years specifically because his kids are in their mid-20s and he wants to keep working to keep them on his insurance until they're age 26 and age out of it. And the interesting thing with his kids is they're they're kind of gig economy workers, you know, these sort of freelance workers that tend to not have benefits as, as a part of their employment. And so it's kind of interesting. And, you know, we're in our mid-40s now, and it's kind of interesting to project ourselves 10, 20 years down the road, our daughter will be adult age. And it's hard to know for we sure know. exactly how that's going to play into our choices at that point. But at least if we save enough money, we'll have bought ourselves easier choices to make. Right. And I think that that's the biggest take-home message is buy yourself choices and give yourself options. And, and that's how I feel too. I feel like when you go into a job or a career, I'm not saying I'll definitely retire at 50, but like I said earlier, I want to have the option to. And it's different when you go into work not needing the money. It's a very different mindset. You actually kind of enjoy it a little bit more. Mm. Mm. That's profound. <laughs> profound. Okay, so how much do you save? We are talking about double income families, and we understand that a lot of people won't be in that situation. You'll be in a single income, and that that's all you that's all you have. And we totally understand that it's a lot tougher, but you can live as frugal as possible. I love the book The Latte Factor by David Buck, and it talks a lot about. Can yes. I? I could see Dave looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we were looking it up the other day, and the the Spanish version of the the book is El Latte Factor. I, I like it better. Yeah, it actually sounds it's kind of kind of especially what about El Factor de Latte. El Factor de Latte. I don't know, but it was it was way cooler than it's, Latte Factor. And especially when you try to sound like Antonio Banderas when you're saying it. <laughs> <laughs> So, so things you can do if you do have a single income family is live as frugal as possible. You can buy secondhand clothes. You can eat at home. You can, um, a lot of people, I see some, so many people carrying a Starbucks cup. And although I love Starbucks, it is a treat for us. We may get it once a month. Yeah. Maybe once or twice a month. Yeah. Maybe. Mm -hmm. And, um, and typically it, we don't even get the fancy coffee. We get an Americano, which is I think $3. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we want to go so far as to say is deprive yourself of any luxuries or pleasantries or pleasures in life mindfulness. today. Yeah. Yeah. It's to have some mindfulness about this chronic sort of spending that were you to use that money in a different way, it could give you those choices later in life that you may not otherwise have. Right. Like live with intention and mindfulness about where your money is going. The Latte Factor, if you get this book, it will have a calculator in it. And you can actually calculate if you saved $5 a day that you would spend on Starbucks over the course of a year, five years, 10 years, what that money can potentially get you. And over the course of several years, it literally is hundreds of thousands of dollars. So if you took $5, $5 a day, mm. invested it in something that gains interest. 6% I think that they were doing. I think in 10 years, it's like $250,000. That's a lot of lattes. That's a lot. That's a latte of lattes. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I had to say that. Okay, I think we we, <laughs> we beat the latte puns to death. <laughs> So we talked about spending, we talked about saving. Now we're going to talk about the different types of plans and how to diversify um, what you have your money in. 
we used to rely on 401ks a lot and we had a financial advisor and this we don't want to talk we hate negativity we don't want to talk about it a lot but we had a financial advisor that was very straightforward with his percentages and his fees that he was charging but i don't think we realized how it impacted us and maybe it doesn't impact you so much when you have a couple of hundred or a couple of thousand but once you get up into the bigger numbers one percent is a really really big deal yeah, so think about that. On any investment we were making through this person, he would get a 1% cut. I mean, and I, I think it might, was it 1% per year on whatever was in there? I think it was. I don't know. I don't remember if it was compounded or not. I don't remember. But um, it ended up, once we started doing the calculations, it ended up being quite a bit. And our new financial advisor accountant had pointed this out to us. Um, we were using him already for accounting and eventually kind of just went to him for everything. Yeah, so I found this example on the Department of Labor website that actually has some interesting information and it was about 401ks. But anyway, they had this example of how much fees can eat away at your account. So they had this mm -hmm. example of if you uh, you have 35 years until retirement, you got a balance of $25,000 in an account and you get 7% interest over 35 years, okay? Mm -hmm. If you have fees and expenses for admi administration of your account, and if those fees and expenses are half a percent, your $25,000 would grow to $227,000 mm -hmm. over 35 years, okay? okay. Mm -hmm. If your fees and expenses were 1.5% instead of a half percent, that balance would only be $163,000. That's a nearly 30% reduction in how much money that would grow to. Ugh. Yeah, it's uh, a lot to think about. And, and so just the simple thing is whatever sort of retirement plans you have access to, ask about the fees because that is huge. Right. And if they hide anything from you, if they're not forthcoming with telling you or they feel you feel that gut instinct that they're kind of hiding something, get out as fast as possible. There's some honest people out there that can really help you. So another couple of things about plans, 401k, one of the benefits of that is you put some of your income straight into a retirement account and it doesn't get taxed today, right. which is great. But I believe when you take that out at retirement age, you will get taxed on that as like regular income. Right. But the idea is, is that then you won't have an income tax at that point of your life. You mm. won't have a job. And so the tax bracket will potentially be lower, which right. is the idea about how you save with that. Right. Another sort of option you can use is what's called a Roth IRA. And that's something where you get taxed on your income now, and then you put some money in a retirement account, and then that grows when you withdraw it later, they don't tax it. Right. So it, it doesn't, it's something that doesn't get taxed when you withdraw it when you're at retirement age. And it's good to have both. Like yeah. we have both. And the idea is, is that you max them out as much as you can for that year. The downside is, is that their maximums are a little bit lower. So like we said, we pretty much put an entire salary into our savings every year for retirement. And obviously that wouldn't cut it if we relied solely on our 401k or solely on an R Roth IRA or a traditional IRA even. Because they're even limited in how much they let you put away. Right. Yeah. Just because they're tax benefits. Um, another thing that is, is worth looking into is if your particular company has any kind of profit sharing plan or if they match the 401k, if you don't match the 401k, you are missing out. And 
those little sums of money um, every month or every uh, tw twice a month, actually, I do the calculations when I'm putting the girls 3% and we do 3% match. And every time I do that, it's these little snippets of money. But when you look at that account over the course of the year, think about all of those thousands of dollars that you're adding to your salary for the year. Like what a perk and what a benefit. So seek that out because a lot of small businesses will do that for you. Um, it's a tax benefit for, for the small business. And it's a great asset and perk for the employee. Another way to save and invest is using um, stocks. So stocks is like playing a slot machine every day. Is it that? Is it that random? No, it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of like gambling because you don't know you don't know what what companies are gonna really go gangbusters. Right. But. And the message that we're expressing during this podcast is diversification to kind of give yourself option, do lots of different things to save so you don't have all of your eggs in one basket. Stocks are a great way to do this. You have to diversify your stocks as well. So you don't want to put all of your money in Tesla. <laughs> you don't want to put all of your money in Apple because they will fluctuate as well. You want to have little snippets of money in all different ones so that when one goes high and one goes low, you still may get a profit. It's a great way to, um, to save money and to make some money, but don't do it if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And it's money that, you know, you also have to, like, there's a whole rule with gambling. Don't gamble money that you're going to be really hurting if you lose. Right. And stock, Expect to lose. Yeah, expect it to be more of a bonus, uh, right. and it's going to have some ups and downs. And if it's something that you're going to need, you know, within months or something, then more like a savings account or something like that's more appropriate. Right. Uh, a, a cool thing about some of the stock trading platforms we use E-Trade is it doesn't even cost any money. To, to trade anymore. It, it used, used to. It used to be 10 bucks a trade, but then mm -hmm. apparently now that people leave enough money in their E-Trade account that's not in a stock, that E-Trade basically makes money by acting like a bank with that leftover money that people have. Right. And if you want to educate yourself on this, I love those dummy books, like um, Stocks for Dummies, Investing for Dummies. I think that they have every little snippet and they really make it clear and understandable how you ingest information and process it. But I think that that's a great way if you wanna educate yourself on how to work these and maybe just try a couple to see if you like how it works for you. <laughs> so I know we have hit you all with a fire hose, a plethora of financial information to ponder, digest, ingest, however you wanna- However you wanna say However it. you wanna say that. But I think in, to summarize what we've all, what we talked about is, you know, if you have a significant other talk about this like what your expectations are timing how much money what sort of lifestyle make it be fun too don't make it be stressful it it is kind of adulting but it doesn't mean it has to be awful i think right. yeah i suggest a glass of wine yeah some meat and cheese trays <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever will like get whatever sort of truth serum you need but, but like get to the bottom of it right uh, there are lots of different tools out there chris hogan uh, his website's a great resource for big fans of Dave Ramsey, especially for people who are trying to become more financially literate. And it's like your initial foray into that. Dave Ramsey is a great place to start. We've also talked about all the different options as far as investing and stocking your money away, um, saving, spending, using your checking as a flow through account, looking into 401ks, matching through your employer 
using different forms of stocks or diversifying your portfolio. And the main gist of this entire podcast is to diversify and buy yourself some choices. It's the most important thing that will give you the freedom to do and to be exactly what you want. Mm -hmm.